Thanks for joining us for another great message from Influences Church Australia. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, blesses you and brings you joy. For more information about our church, go online to influences.church. And now for our message. 2020, 2021, now 2022. Who would have thought? It was exactly two years ago today that a team of 20 ACC leaders, people who lead states and regions and major churches, we're actually on a tour bus traveling through Israel. If you've never done it, when they eventually allow us to do it, let me tell you something. Scripture comes alive when you go to that part of the world. It really does. It gives you context. You go, ah, now this makes sense. It, it's been phenomenal. Been there twice now. And we were on this tour bus and somebody who was checking out the news on their laptop was, hey, have you guys heard about that virus in China? And a few of us had and a few of us hadn't. Most of us read the paper the proper way from the back forward. Um, it's where the best news is on the back page. So we began to talk about this, this virus that was coming out of this city called Wuhan. And Moses said, I haven't even heard of Wuhan. And somebody said, wow, wouldn't it be terrible to be in China with what's going on? And we were all feeling sorry for China because of this virus. We learned a new word, coronavirus. We'd say that as though we knew everything. It's coronavirus, COVID-19. Next thing you know, 2020, we're all locked down and the world changed forever. But through 2020, we thought we can get through this. And the big word of 2020 was, we'll get through this together. I love the fact that your pastors today have been calling us just to unity. Because united we stand. We're an undefeated force when the church of Jesus stands together. Sadly, in 2021, there was a shift. Don't know if you noticed it. We didn't hear the word together as much. We weaponized opinion. Pro-vax, anti-vax, pro the government, anti the government, and, and, and people became nasty. And social media became this toxic thing in our lives. And, and it was really, really sad. And, and instead of being together, we're now divided. And it was tragic to watch. But we thought maybe 2020, Okay, we bounced through that. 2021, what was that about? 2022 is gonna be different. So we had our New Year's party in some level of quarantine. But now 2022 has come. And we've learned a new word. We say it like we've been using it forever. Oh, it's Omicron. <laughs> it's hilarious. We're all experts. Omicron. And again, we're wondering, what's this year gonna be like? Well, today I wanna talk to you about the fact that in a changing world, we have an unchanging God. He says, I am the Lord, I change not. So I wanna talk to you about this year. I wanna talk to you about this season that we're in and we're moving into. Because though everything's going crazy, we have a good God. And though the social media is full of stuff that just causes your heart to race, We've got a God that actually just wants us to walk in peace and joy and life and love. And so today I'm gonna to direct our attention to his greatest love letter, the Word of God. We're gonna go into one of my favourite Psalms, Psalm 27. I'm gonna dive into it quite deep. It's a beautiful Psalm. It's one of those, you know, if ever you just pick up the Scripture and go, I just want a little 
vitamin pill from the Word. I, I, I go to Psalm 27 a lot. It's written by King David, amazing guy. The Bible says he had a heart after God's heart. Luke writes in the Acts of the Apostles and he says of David, says that he, he served his generation according to the will of God. So this is somebody that knew God and God knew him and it was a, a beautiful relationship with him. And he, he writes this in, in the New King James. I'm going to use that mainly today because it, it draws out the message so clearly. Verse 1 of Psalm 27. He says, The Lord, read it out loud with me, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Who can say amen to that? That's who the Lord is. And then right on the back of that declaration, he asks the question, Whom shall I fear? Wow. So in one, in one breath, there, there's this, God, you're amazing, but there's some other stuff that if I allowed it, it would cause me to be afraid. There's a tension. There's a tension in life. There's a tension as, as believers. For those of us that follow Christ, some of us have heard preaching, and I'm here today to apologise for it. The, the preaching that said, if you come to Jesus, you'll never have another rough day in your life. Well, 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 what was that about? Because I've discovered I came to Jesus and I've had lots of rough days. Bible actually doesn't say life will be a bed of roses. In fact, it says many of the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of us all. Thank God for that. Because there's stuff happens. The, the, fact that, the fact that you're a Christian doesn't mean that you might not get COVID-19. Does it, Pastor? It doesn't mean that our kids will get grumpy some days. It doesn't mean that the dogs next door won't bark all night. Just the fact that we're Christians doesn't mean that everything's going, it doesn't. He goes on, he says, the Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? So he's talking about the fact that we've got a, a great God, but we've got some stuff we've got to walk through in this life. In fact, go right down to the end of the verse in verse 13. Oh, sorry, the end of that Psalm in verse 13, he says, this is it. Ready? I would have lost heart unless I had believed. Say believed. I would have lost heart unless I had believed. This is one of the favourite verses of my life. It's one of the anchor verses of my life. I would have lost heart unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord, where? In the land of the living. There's a lot of preaching and there's a lot of philosophy around the church of Jesus that says one day it's gonna be amazing when we get to heaven and it will. Every tear wiped away, no more pain, no more heartache. It's gonna be incredible. But when I was growing up, I'm a preacher's kid. When I was growing up, we, my dad used to have nearly every year this, this little old American lady preacher. And I loved it with her southern drawl. She used to say, some of you are believing for, for pie in the sky and the sweet by and by, but this little girl is believing for steak on the plate while I wait. I can believe to see the goodness of the Lord where? Not just there, but here, amen. Not just one day, but this day. I would have believed to see the goodness of the Lord despite a pandemic, despite what's been going on in the neighbourhood. I believe to see the goodness of the Lord here and now, yes and amen. Somebody get excited. 
Hey, here's this guy. He, he's a friend of God, and yet he honestly, he feels vulnerable. I love how various translations of that scripture put it. The New King James says, I would have lost heart. The King James, yea, verily, says to us, I would have fainted. The Amplified, I like this. Amplified says, I would have despaired. Despair's when you go, They all fit the moment. I would have felt hollowed out. Would have lost my strength. Unless I had believed. Unless I had believed. There's a lot of despair in society. There's a lot of things going on that are causing people to faint. The stuff, we've been... Bombarded. Some of us have felt like we're suffocating under the weight of the news. One of my staff came past me the other day and said, I've just been watching the daily press conference with the Premier and the Chief Health Officer. And I said, why? You and I know what they're going to say. This many cases, this many people in ICU, this many people have died. This is what we're going to have to do with masks and isolation and all that sort of stuff. And I said, listen, not much is going to change day by day, but what can change is our hearts can begin to slowly lose hope. I would have despaired. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. Christian and non-Christian alike. Young and old. In fact, my heart over the last few months has been deeply concerned for our young adults. Right now, there's just there's a war for their soul. It's because they're looking at the wrong things, and it's it's very deep and and it's broad across society. And then and then others that I talk to, some close friends, some very dear friends, was on the phone this week to a, a close friend who's probably even preached in this church. That right now his body head to toe is riddled with cancer, and he's in the midst of a very real battle. One of my pastors rang me yesterday and said, Pastor Wayne, pray for me. I'm driving right now to a family whose son was just killed in a motorbike accident. Brings to me the understanding that every time I feel like I'm going through a tough time, there's somebody else going through something deeper. So I decide not to throw a pity party because not many come. So I've got to make some choices. David said, listen, there's stuff going on. And, and the, the fact of the matter is, the Bible is so real and so honest. The Bible doesn't sweep stuff under the carpet. Okay? Like, everything's awesome. You know, some people think that, that life is like the Lego movie. You know, remember Emmett? Everything is awesome. Well, well, it's not always. It's not always. But even when life is rough, God is good. Let's, let's identify with David some of his challenges. Verse two, he says, when the wicked come against me to eat up my flesh, well, that's graphic. He said, those, my enemies and my foes, he said, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise against me, in this I will be confident. Say confident. He says, you know what? There's armies coming against me. Enemies, see, everywhere I look, there seems to be an attack upon my life. Stuff does not stop coming. It's relentless. Have you ever been in one of those zones? Every day, it's like, oh, bang, bang, bang. David said, let me tell you something. Even though these things are going on, I'm gonna stay confident. 
Then in verse 10, he starts talking about family problems. No one in this room's had family problems. Gets quite real sometimes, doesn't it? He says, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. So he's got enemies, he's got armies. Now in his own home, there's problems. And three, and just, just remind him, this is not a bad guy. This is a good guy. Heart after God, served the generation, and yet there's still stuff going on. In his own family, he was the runt of the pack. In his own family, he was, he was the guy that we didn't want to talk about. The prophet Samuel is about to anoint the next king of Israel. Saul's done his thing. He's no longer in favour. God's going to move him aside and raise up somebody that's amazing. So he goes to the household of Jesse. Jesse, get all your sons. It's one of them. So he lines them up from the oldest through to the youngest. And, and, and Samuel's going, nope, nope. Goes right down the line eventually. After going through all the sons, he goes, is this it? And Jesse says, oh, well, there's, there's Davo. But we don't talk about him. He's out mining, some versions say mining a few sheep. His father didn't think even enough of him to even bring him in that he had the potential to lead a nation. In fact, if you read David's writings, he says, in sin I was conceived. Some Bible teachers, in fact, most that I respect, would suggest that David is probably an illegitimate child. And his father didn't want to know about him, didn't want to talk about him. So when Jesse said, are these your sons? He said, these are your sons. Was he even Jesse's son? Big question. We don't know. But the fact of the matter is, he was, in, for some reason, an embarrassment to his father and didn't even bring him in with the potential that God could anoint him. Thank God that his anointing has no discrimination. Amen. Thank God the anoints young and old, red, yellow, black, white, all of us, male, female, hallelujah. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Thank God for his anointing. But his father didn't even think that he was worthy. He didn't even think it was possibly somebody that God could use. He says, my father and mother, they forsake me. And his brothers, there's an army, thousands of trained men out to fight the Philistines. Classic story. Just one of the classic farm stories in the whole of the Old Testament. David is called by his dad. David's not at war, he's too young. His father says, Jesse, take these cheese sandwiches down to your brothers. <laughs> Get the esky, whack some cheese sangers in, go down and see how your brothers are doing in the war. David arrives. He can't believe it. All he can hear is the Israeli soldiers' knees banging together. And he rocks up. Classic young teenager, he goes, what's the problem? They said, what's the problem? He's the problem. There's this massive giant called Goliath. He said, I still don't understand. What's the problem? They said, he's too big. He said, no, 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 you're looking at it wrong. He's too big to miss. And then he says, <laughs> I love what he says, <laughs> classic teenager. I can take him out. And that, that, now, now you know it's a teenager. What do I get if I take him out? 
You get the gold, the glory and the girls, the very things they tell you in Bible college to be careful of. So David rocks up to Saul and says, um, I reckon I can take him out. And what do his brothers say? Talk about family issues. What do his brothers say? You arrogant little punk. Here's something. People with big dreams, people with high levels of faith have always been called arrogant. Ask Joseph. And there's a whole lot of men and women like him right through Scripture. The people don't understand and sometimes the people that don't understand are the people closest to us. And David said, my, my family don't understand me. In fact, most of them have rejected me. They don't see the hand of God upon my life. Hmm. But I found an antidote for everything that could cause me anxiety. Have you ever, ever recalled a season in our nation's history where anxiety and stress and fear have been such a dominant conversation? Where, where the mental health of our general population is at such a low ebb. Never. They call us the lucky country. This, this country's got so much to celebrate. And yet we're gripped with anxiety. And let me tell you something. I say this in love. I'm not seeing much difference in a lot of churches, whether you're in the church or outside of the church. So we've got some choices to make and we need to make them today. I would have despaired. Let me use Australian terms. Let me use today's moment. I would have been anxious. I would have been in the grip of fear. But there's an antidote. There's an antidote for that despair. You know what it is? It's faith. I would have despaired. I would have fainted unless I had chosen to believe. David says, I was gone. I was in big trouble if I hadn't believed. Christians, followers of Christ, you know, you know what the Bible calls you a lot of times? A believer. We, we do a lot of stuff, but you know what we are? We're believers. Once we're a follower of Christ, we, we believe. We actually believe to become a follower of Christ. And once we are a follower of Christ, we believe. So there's two big questions. What do I believe? And who do I believe? King David himself wrote in the Psalms, he said, my God is good and he does good. He is, his very nature, the essence of who he is, he is good. There's nothing about God that isn't good. And, and what he does is merely an expression of, of his character and his nature. I've got to believe that he's good. Who do I believe? Well, that's a big question. Matthew chapter 8. There's a beautiful story of Jesus with his team. They're out on a boat on the Sea of Galilee. Pick it up in verse 23. He got into a boat. His disciples followed him. And suddenly, a great tempest arose on the sea. I don't know if you're like me, but I've been into boats for the last 45 years of my life. Always owned a boat. Nearly 50 years. Started off as a ski boat. Very quick. Too beat up. Don't ski anymore. Now go out in the ocean. 
And there have been days when the forecast hasn't been right. I reckon it was kind of one of those days. It looks like calm and they go out on a boat. And suddenly, I've been in a couple of those suddenlies. I've been in, I've been in one of those suddenlies where the, the, the weather was so bad that when we got into the boat ramp, people clapped us, which meant idiots. We play it safe, but there have been a couple of times when literally I prayed all the way home not knowing if we're going to make it. Waves crashing over the top every 10, 20 seconds for nearly an hour. So I understand what it's like. It's like, it's scary out there. And the Bible says this great tempest arose and the boat was covered with the waves. But he was what? Are you serious? (laughs) A storm's blowing up. The Bible says the boat's being swamped. Waves are crashing over this thing. And the Prince of Peace is sound asleep. Read on. And the decibels came to him and awoke him. And they said, Lord, save us. We're perishing. He is sleeping and his followers are panicking. They're panicking. Mark, in Matthew, Mark, the second of the Gospels. He, he gives the same narrative, but in it, he actually identifies one slight difference in his version to Matthew's. Because when they go to Jesus and find him asleep, this is what they said. Don't you care? Don't you care that we're perishing? Don't look sideways, but there's somebody in your row that's prayed that prayer this week. God, I don't think you care. Oh God, you don't understand. All right. Like, let's talk about a cross. Let's talk about the pain of a crucifixion. Let's talk about the rejection he felt. He, he sitting at the right hand of the Father, interpreting and explaining us to the Father. I've got a funny feeling that he cares. I've got a funny feeling that he understands. When he came, the incarnation that we've just celebrated at Christmas, he didn't come as an adult or an angel. He came as a baby, had to learn to walk, had to learn to talk, had to learn to be fed. He went, he went through puberty with his voice changing. He went through the whole thing. So stop telling him he doesn't understand. He's been tempted in every area. Just the difference between him and you and I is that he didn't sin. He gets it. I meet some people. In fact, I was speaking to one this week, and this is exactly their words. When I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God about that. Gee, they sounded so big and tough. I'm going to ask God about that. (laughs) Along with the other billions that are there in heaven. I said, with respect, you won't. When you get to heaven, you're going to do what I do. Made it. (laughs) We made it. How good's that? It's going to be incredible. It's going to be one of the greatest shocks you make. And the other shock is it's going to be people you don't like that made it too. Newsflash. But that's for another day. When we get to heaven... We're not going to be getting all caught up with, oh God, how come I lost my job that day? And how come you made me live next door to those crazy neighbours? And how come, how come? When you get to heaven, let me tell you something, like the old song I used to sing as a kid, when you turn your eyes upon Jesus and you look full in His wonderful face, the things of this earth, they grow strangely dim. When we get to heaven, we're going to be around the throne, casting down crowns, crying, holy, holy, holy. We're going to do that for ages. I got a funny feeling that when we get to heaven, these little things aren't going to matter. 
But as we navigate this journey, he's given us principles to get through the rough days, to navigate pandemics and challenges relationally and issues in our career. Believe. Believe. Verse 26, he says to them, why are you so fearful? I think that's a question he asked so many of us today. Why are you so fearful? Are you of little faith? Then he arose. Can you see this moment in your, in your mind right now? He arose and he rebuked the winds. We said, and he rebuked the winds. You know what the word rebuke basically means? Stop it! He speaks the wind and the wave and, and with the authority that he has over nature, he says, stop it. And the sea... In the wind, there was a great calm. There was a great calm. So verse 27, and the men marveled. And they said, here's, here's their question, but I've got a better one. And they said, who can this be that even the winds and the waves and the sea obey him? Who is this that nature responds to his words? Well, I think I've got a question that's every bit as good as that. Who is this? that sleeps through crazy storms? Who is this that's just at peace while I'm panicking? Answer, the one that I have to believe. The Prince of Peace. So back to that text, verse 13. He says, I'm confident of this. I'm confident. Don't lose your confidence. That great chapter of faith, Hebrews chapter 11, actually links faith with confidence. Confidence. I'm confident of this, that I will believe to see the goodness of the Lord here in the land of the living. And he said, let me tell you, here's a way to strengthen your soul. Here's a way to ramp up your confidence. It's in the final verse of that Psalm, verse 14. Wait, say wait. wait. Say it again, wait. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage and He will strengthen your heart. And just in case you missed it, I'll say it again. Wait on the Lord. You know, when some of us, we read those words and we just go, oh yeah, I'm waiting. God, you're slow. I'm waiting. That's not what it means. Sometimes our English doesn't do the, the greatest justice to the original text. That, that word, wait on the Lord, is, is from the, the Hebrew language and, and it means it's the word kovah. Which, which, which is, is a beautiful picture. See it if you can. The word wait there that we say in English is, is a word which means to strengthen by binding or twisting. Whoa. Now we've got a question. Where does my confidence come from? Why do I believe? How do I lift the levels of faith in my life? I wait on the Lord. I bind myself with His strength in His presence. I twist myself into Him. I've been saying to my church for the last few months, almost every time I preach, 
You tell me how much time you spend in the Word compared to how much time you spend on social media and I'll tell you the level of victory you're walking in right now. You tell me how much time you're spending in His presence compared to how much time you're just talking about pandemics. What are you binding yourself to? What are you getting? Where, where, are, you, where are you connecting to? Because I'm gonna tell you something, it's either gonna lift your strength or rob your strength. See, as I look to Jesus, you know what Hebrews tells me? I begin to behold the author and finisher of my faith. When I look at problems, my faith sometimes drops. What I have to do is intentionally shift the focus of my life off the problem and onto the answer. I look to Jesus. I would despair if, if I look at the problems. This last 12 months, I can tell you something, this last 12 months of my life has been brutal. I, I actually feel like some days, David, armies and enemies coming left, right and centre. All kinds of crazy stuff I've had to navigate. People that became quite toxic. Online attacks, that was fun. My dad dropped dead 12 hours, stroke gone. Had to navigate that and a whole lot of other things. And, and I, I learned a principle. I'm a reporter today of somebody who's shuffling through life, trying to navigate this stuff just like you. And it's not a clear path, it's a bit of a maze. but I'm strengthened where it matters most in the inner man. When I choose to deliberately and intentionally focus on Him. I'm in the middle of, a, of just a really revisiting some of my spiritual disciplines. And one of them is, one of the things I used to do every day was get up, make coffee and watch the morning news. The Holy Spirit said to me a few weeks ago, you're starting your day from a wrong place. Don't even turn television on before I head to the office, before I get about my day. Checking this and that on the news feeds. And it seems sometimes that the things I focus on, there's a spirit behind it. Next thing you know, why am I sounding so negative? Why am I so bristly? What you behold, you become. What you behold, you become. That's why Paul says, when he writes to the Corinthians, he said, we all with open face behold Him. And as we behold Him, we become more and more like Him by His Spirit. What you behold, you become. When I behold Him. Everyone in this room is subject to everything that's going on in this pandemic. Everyone in this room is living in a mortal body that's gonna feel pain sometimes. Everyone in this room is in a family that sometimes got complex issues working through. Everyone in this room is wondering what's gonna happen with their career and their finance. Everybody's got stuff going on and we all would despair unless we'd made a choice to believe. Today we choose. The focus of our life, we are positioning ourselves for victory. I pray this sermon has blessed you, encouraged you and inspired you. You know, we may never have met, I may not know you, but God knows you. And I'll tell you today, God loves you. That even before you knew about Him, He loved you. And He has a plan and a purpose for your life. You know, so many of us do life on our own, trying to 
lead our life in a way that finds answers and finds the peace and finds the joy we're looking for, but we come up short. But God knew that you needed rescuing, that you needed saving, that you needed His love. So He sent His Son, Jesus, to come and pay the price for our mistakes. He lived a perfect life, but knowing we couldn't, He said, I will take their place. So He died and rose again so that His death could pay the penalty for my mistakes and my past, and His life could make a way so that I could have life. I believe that when you believe in what Jesus did, And when you invite Him to be Lord of your life, you can experience forgiveness, peace, hope, joy, purpose and life like you've never known before. It's not about what we've done or who we're not. It's about that we have a God who's good, who can turn things for good and loves you. He's a father. He's a friend. And you can invite Him into your life today by simply saying this prayer after me. I'm going to say this prayer and wherever you are, wherever you're watching around the world, pray this prayer with me. Maybe you once knew God and you walked away. You know what? Maybe He's getting your attention today to say, come back into relationship with me. Maybe you've known religion, but never a real genuine relationship with God. Why don't you say this prayer too? And I believe this can be the beginning of a great new day. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for loving me and giving your life for me. I pray you forgive me for my past and you walk with me into my tomorrow. Let me know your grace, your forgiveness, your peace, your purpose, your joy, and your hope into my life. I ask you to lead me and guide me from this day forward. Be Lord of who I am, in Jesus' name, amen. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer today. I believe that as you did, the peace, the grace, and the love of God comes into your life. You know what? The past is real, but it doesn't have to dictate your future. Let the love, the grace and the word of God go with you from this day forward. And I believe the best days are ahead for you. If you prayed this prayer or you want to know more, maybe you're on the journey. Why don't you flick us an email so we can send you some material about following Jesus. We can maybe connect you with a local church near you that you can do life with, get good people around you. And we would love to pray with you. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer. I'm so glad you're on the journey of following Jesus. I'm so glad you listened today. God bless.